being athletes and dedicating your whole life to something, everyone's going to have that mentality of, I want to be the best in the world. Excellence is about standing, and excellence is a requirement for your dream come true. Welcome to Unfiltered Athletes. I'm your host, Leo. In this podcast, we go behind the scenes with world-class athletes to reveal the untold stories of their journeys. From grueling training sessions to mental strategies to achieve greatness, get ready for a raw, unfiltered look at the world of sports. In today's episode, I met Finley Knox at the Toronto Pan American Sports Center in Toronto. Just a few days prior to moving to Vancouver and only a couple days after being back from the World Championships in Fukuoka, Finley was nice enough to sit and chat to tell us about the few highs and many lows of a swimmer's journey to success. Even if he's only 23, Finley has faced many moments of doubts, wondering if he was really chasing his own dream or what elite sport expected him to do. While he acknowledges that finding his why is an infinite quest, he managed to bring pleasure back into the pool to reach better and better world rankings. And it started when he was still young, looking at his brother in New Zealand. We lived right next to the, the ocean, so um, it was really important for us to, to have water safety and make sure that when we go out and surf, um, we know how to you know, survive in the water and not let the, the ocean kind of take control of us. We're able mm -hmm. to kind of survive. So I remember, you know, I was like maybe four years old or whatever, um, super, super young. And uh, my older brother had just started swimming lessons and I wasn't old enough to join, but I remember sitting on deck and like watching him and just really wanted to jump in the water just because it was something fun. Um, How old were you at the time? I was probably about four, maybe five. Um, too young to i think the the start group was like six or seven years okay. old so i was just kind of on the sidelines like waiting like wanting to jump in just because i was super bored i was super active as a kid um so i couldn't really sit still and all i wanted to do was join my brother in this this swim lesson that he was taking part of was it attraction to water or just activity in general because i, you're I think it was just attraction to activity i okay. you know i was you know Looking back at it now, I was probably a pain to my parents because all I wanted to do was go outside, play soccer, go to the beach, surf, go um, mountain biking, go skateboarding. You know, all I wanted to do was go and do stuff. And I was never, you know, a kid who would just like sit down and, you know, want to play video games or just like sit and read. You yeah. know, I was always just like eager to go, like just wanting to, to do something fun. Nice. Was your family active as well or like yeah, yeah. sports oriented in a sense yeah, or so were you the only one? Growing up, my dad, he played so he grew up in scotland in the uk so he played football um, soccer soccer okay. yeah <laughs> um so he he played that and my mom was also a swimmer when she was growing up and then when she was in university i believe she was on the british national team for cross country she was part of a you know selection of group mm -hmm. of people who ran cross country and biathlon um like the shooting and the the running so in terms of sports, that's kind of my background. Um, but, you know, my, both my parents, like none of them went to the Olympics or um, kind of did sport post-education. It was more in school or in university where they were kind of doing sport and uh, obviously trying to get to the highest level they can. But, um, you know, it was just they're, they're just doing it for fun. And mm -hmm. uh, 
it never really ended up being uh, a profession for them. Okay. So you mentioned a few countries already, yep. New Zealand, the UK. So you yep. were born in the UK, yes. then you traveled quite a bit. So if you can mention that, and why was it following mom or dad for work? Yeah, or of course. Or they just uh, people that love traveling? Yeah. So born in the UK, dad's from Scotland, mom's from England. Um, and we, I, I was about two years old before we moved. And they, uh, my dad got a job opportunity in New Zealand. And it was one of those things where, you know, we were a young family. And um, when, when's the opportunity to, to go live in an island uh, by the ocean and, and live in this beautiful location? So they were just kind of like, why not? Like, mm -hmm. let's, let's take this opportunity to, to go and have some fun. And um, at the time, it was just me and my, I have an older brother. So me, my mom, older brother, and myself, we moved to New Zealand. I was about two years old, um, and I lived there for just over five years. Okay. Uh, my younger brother was born there, and then as we were kind of getting older and our grandparents were getting older as well, the, the travel from the UK to New Zealand was so just long for them. Mm -hmm. You know, it was about 24 hours in terms of travel, and yep. uh, as they were getting older, it was... It's kind of the um, anti-pod. Yeah, right? exactly. The other side of the world. Exactly. <laughs> so um, my mom's twin sister obviously grew up in the, the UK as well, but she moved to Canada. And when we were getting to the point now where we were like, oh, we should probably move locations or mm. either go back to the UK, she suggested we come out to, to Canada. Um, and she was living in a small town just south of Calgary and was like, you guys would love it here. So um, obviously I was a kid, so I had no say in this. Yeah. Um, but uh, so they decided to move out and to be closer to my, my mom's twin. And, um, we moved out there and that's kind of where I started my competitive swimming that move to, to Canada. Cause, uh, my mom's twin, my aunt, she's a swim coach. Okay. And this is it all kind of ties up to kind of moving to Canada is the reason I'm in swimming now. Okay. So before then in New yeah. Zealand, you were, you remember like an attraction mm. for water yeah, and yeah. everything, but there was nothing like competition or no, it, it was fun. Yeah. I, I mean, Uh, we were put in swim lessons, uh, kind of just to be safe. With, obviously, my mom grew up swimming, so it was important for her to have kids who yeah. were comfortable in the water. But, um, you know, in New Zealand, I was playing rugby. I was playing soccer. I was uh, surfing. I was skateboarding. I was biking. You know, I was doing everything. And it wasn't, um, you know, I just found my passion for swimming in New Zealand and transferred it over. It was, I was just doing whatever I enjoyed at the time, you know, I was, yeah. I was still pretty young, so didn't really have the, the mindset of like, this is what I want to do and uh, become great at it. And, you yeah. know, I was just doing things because I wanted to have fun. How old were you when you uh, landed, landed in Canada? I it was just, I, I was probably seven and a half, almost eight. Okay. Um, okay. So still pretty young. So very young. Um, but yeah, so I, I really hadn't developed like a, a love for a sport or anything like that. I was still just kind of like, let's just do whatever and just kind of have fun. So. Okay. And your aunt was a, a swim yep. trainer, swimming trainer. Um, did she see anything in you or did she say you and you two, your two brothers just yep. get in the pool and start swimming? Well, so yeah, so she was uh, one of the coaches um, at the, it's called Okotoks Mavericks now, uh, which is just in, just south of Calgary. Okay. And uh, when we moved to Canada, she was just like, You know, she had a group of, of athletes. She's like, just join one session. If you like it, you like it. If you don't, you don't. And, you know, when I moved to Canada, I wanted to play hockey. I wanted to do other <laughs> things. So um, went there and uh, she just let us swim for pretty much the remainder of the season. You know, we, we arrived around um, May time. So there was about two, two months left of the season. And she's just like, you know, just 
jump in and, and have fun. You know, she was the, the coach of that group. So she just let us kind of feel it out and see if mm-hmm. we liked it. And if we liked it, we, you know, join next year. And if we didn't, we didn't. So, and so when did it become for you something a bit more serious than just, uh, being in the water for fun was there like a pivotal moment or yeah. was it like much later on in your youth or mm-hmm. young adulthood so when i started swimming uh, i was also playing hockey um and you know i was doing both i was balancing both and i, I really just did it to swim or just to enjoy myself uh, but swimming kind of came to me a little bit easier um maybe that's because my mom swam there's swimming in the family um, but i'm also super competitive so being in an individual sport it was a lot easier to uh, you know be happy for the success and um i guess not necessarily dwell on the the failures but Mm -hmm. you know whatever i put into sport and the result came it was based off of what i put in yeah so if i didn't perform well that i knew that was on me but if i would perform well i also knew that was on me and i really enjoyed that opposed to being in a team sport where you know you could have an awful game um your team still won and it's mm-hmm. like it i found it hard to celebrate that because i felt like i let the team down um and you know it's it, the other way is if you're having a really good team uh, a really good game yourself mm-hmm. but your team's kind of struggling it's um it's hard to be happy it's hard and it, you know so. it's like uh that might turn into like a a little bit of a self selfish fit thing because yeah. uh you know i want to whatever i put in i want to see the results for that but i guess that's just the competitive competitiveness in me and um just wanting to to improve on myself and get better so. it's very interesting what you say because it mm-hmm. makes a lot of sense when you say it yeah but all the previous athletes in individual sports mm-hmm. that i've had none of them i think i've mentioned that so is that a common thing that people because they have a talent but also because they don't want to rely i would say on other people you, mm-hmm. you know, when you swim or when you run you can only there are a few external factors but most is is what you put in the work you put in and how you are so yeah, yeah is that a common thing amongst swimmers and um, other individual i don't know i really haven't asked people but i'm sure it is because uh my younger brother was in swimming as well okay. uh, he plays hockey now and he's the complete opposite where when a, uh, when he was swimming um any individual race you know he would obviously try as hard as but he didn't he wasn't like super focused on it he's just like just having fun but as soon as he was put on a relay where you know he's one team fourth work. of the team mm-hmm. um he would all of a sudden swim these crazy times And it's like, that's what he was capable of. But it was because he was part of that team and he was swimming for the team. Mm. Um, so when he decided to quit swimming and join hockey, that was because he wanted to be part of that team. And um, I was the, the opposite where it was um, obviously when it came to a team sport, I'm doing the best I possibly can. Mm-hmm. But having that individual results, knowing exactly what I put in, it's, it's a little bit easier to control. You know, if you, yeah. if you have a good year, it's because that year you're putting in everything possible and if you have a poor year you know there are probably things in that lead up of the year that didn't go right for you but you don't have to worry about other people yeah you just have to worry about what you can control so do you still enjoy relays because i've seen you yeah, so, <laughs> yeah that, e- exactly <laughs> uh as i've obviously gotten older um you know relays are part of swimming um and it wasn't that i didn't like uh team sports um i just felt like for a sport that was going to put my entire life into Mm -hmm. uh i needed that individual aspect uh but to have a portion of the sport where it is relays and teams i love that because you know the last few major competitions i've been to the highest i've ever placed have been on relays and obviously i wouldn't have placed that high if i didn't have those three other guys Mm -hmm. with me so it's it's super rewarding being on that and being able to go into those races and put down a time 
that helps the team succeed as well. So in the grand scheme of things, swimming is an individual sport, but you still have the, the relays, which is a team sport. And then in the grand scheme of things at swim meets, um, you know, the medal tables, yep. it's, you're representing Team Canada and you're not representing yourself, yeah. um, <laughs> which is, I think, the best part of swimming for myself. So in that case, a tricky question. Yep. If you had the opportunity to have one, let's say, gold medal at the Olympics, mm -hmm. would you choose a team relay or an individual race? We can get that afterwards <laughs> if it's too tricky. <laughs> um, again, I think it's that's such a difficult question because, of course, I would love to have a, a gold medal with a relay team um, because not only are you putting in the work and doing to deserve that medal, but it was a team effort. Yep. Um, but again, being in, I guess at the beginning of swimming, it's a very individual sport and kind of having that selfishness. It's, you know, I dedicate my entire life to swimming mm -hmm. and to come away with a gold medal, um, in an individual, uh, individual event, it just means, um, everything you did to lead up to that point was the sacrifices you made. Yeah. And I feel like that is also on the other spectrum an incredible feeling as well so it, it's a really tricky question i don't know no, if i could it's, uh, it's it's tricky one but i second what you say because yeah. i'm in business i have partners mm -hmm. and all that but at the end of the day i want the company or anything to be successful for me yeah. because i put in the work and mm -hmm. it's, it's, yeah, yeah. if i can have like a solo business i'll do it mm -hmm. it's just uh, so I, i second your yeah, yeah. <laughs> your point but of view. that's that's why but i, I love you love working yeah, yeah. as a team but at the mm -hmm. same time you're a bit selfish and you have to be if yeah you exactly and i think that's better. why i love swimming because there is the the separation of there is a team and there's individual mm -hmm. And you Whereas, can combine both. Because yeah, exactly. th this question of yeah. either or doesn't mm -hmm. really apply in real life. It's just you can win both. Uh, yeah, exactly. Both. And the better you are as an individual, the better you'll be uh, for your for team, the team as well. Exactly, so, yeah. Um, sweet. So you said uh, dedicating your life to swimming. Mm -hmm. When uh, did you have like a revelation moment when you realized that swimming would be uh, your, your whole life until you were Yeah, so when I was probably nine, ten years old, I was still playing hockey and swimming. Um, And it was just getting to a point where I couldn't manage both. You know, I was starting to swim five, six times a week and hockey was starting to turn into three, four mm -hmm. uh, like practices a week with a game on the weekends. Yeah. And I had swim meets on weekends and it, it just got to a point where you couldn't balance both. And maybe studying as well. Oh, and obviously, yeah, school. I mean, <laughs> when you're about 10 years old, school is not really anything. No, but, but you still have to go yeah, physically, you know, so especially at the time. You yeah, have to so, be on the sp at the school. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I remember, like, my days would be... Now, uh, at that point, I wasn't old enough to have morning practices, but, you know, we'd go to school all day, and then I'd go to the pool, I'd swim for about an hour and a bit, get out early, go to the hockey rink, Jeez. play up, you know, do a practice there, then come home, and that was kind of, like, my whole week. And then if there was a swim meet that weekend... We always had hockey games on Saturday morning and yeah. Sunday morning. So it was always, there's a swim meet. Do I go and uh, like play with my team and help my team? Or do I go to the swim meet and swim for my, you know? So it was like, yeah. it was really hard to balance both. And, um, you know, I really enjoyed hockey and I, I was, um, I wouldn't say like I was super successful at it, but, you know, just with any sport, when I'm, when I'm in it, I'm passionate about it. I'm going to give it everything I can. And um, obviously having parents who swam or like my mom who swam and my aunt who coached they had a little bit more of a, a persuasion you know obviously they didn't force me to swim yeah. they made let me make the decision but you know them being in the sport they're like oh you should really swim and I was having quite a lot of success in swimming I was meddling at um, age group provincials so I was you know top of uh, top three in, in the province for my age and 
I was getting close to these records and I was seeing a lot more uh, on paper results from swimming than I was in hockey. Yeah. And I feel like that helps make my decision yeah. to stay with swimming. Um, and, you know, I, I obviously there's some times where I'm like, oh, I wonder what would happen if I stayed with hockey. But um, I'm super grateful for the the path I've had in swimming that I would not change it. Nice. Yeah. Um, so once you decide to focus only on uh, on swimming, mm -hmm. probably you focus for your 11th, 12th-ish. Mm -hmm. uh, it's still is a bit of fun it's yeah, yeah. a bit of competition so when does that turn into your oh that's my only sole focus mm -hmm. for the next 15 years ish yeah so i think i've always kind of had that mindset of um if i'm in a sport i'm giving it everything i possibly can so obviously when i was 10 at the time i would think i'm giving it everything i can yeah. and each year as you get older you you understand that uh, there's more mm -hmm. to give um, so i feel like i've always been super dedicated to swimming But just as I've gotten older and matured, it's uh, the dedication has been more streamlined. Um, when I've decided to really kind of buckle down, it was it was probably after. Uh, I guess if we go back nine, ten, that was when I stuck with swimming, and I was having really like a lot of success. Same with eleven, and then twelve, almost I stopped progressing and I almost quit swimming, and I got to like a low point in my swimming there. And I was only 12 years old, so yeah. in, in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't seem like a lot. But it wasn't until I came through that um, period where I was going to quit swimming and I decided to stick with it and I started seeing results again where I was like, okay, if I'm going to actually do this, you know, I'm going to try to do it as best I can so I have no regrets in the future. Um, and just, progress, you know, each year from there on, it was, you know, I was 40th in the province and then the next year I was you know, 40th in the country. And then I was top in my province and then top in the country and then making junior teams. And then, you know, maybe top eight in, um, a certain com you know, the Pan Pacific championship. So it's kind of, um, North America, South America, Japan, Australia, New Zealand, like, you know, I was top five in those countries. And then the next year I was top two in the world for juniors. And it just mm -hmm. like each year, just slowly progressing and seeing that, progress chipping away at just uh each year you have success you want to be more dialed in for the next so mm -hmm. i feel like as i've gotten older and it, um been more mature just the dedication has gotten higher each year and do you think so you started pretty we're only here at 12 13 mm -hmm. 14 years old and it seems like before that you already have a lot of experiences mm -hmm. you were 10 even before do you think starting that young can wear you out for the moment because your body reaches you is it's peak let's say between yep. 18 and 25, depending mm -hmm. on every individual. But do you think starting that early can wear you out? Or do you think it's an advantage that you've been able to, to train for so long to reach your, your best peak? <sighs> yeah, it's it's tough. It's finding the, the fine line of what's going to be beneficial, yeah. right? Obviously, starting younger, you're going to develop habits as a kid, which are beneficial to when you're yeah. older. But also starting younger, you're as you get older, especially in a sport like swimming, it becomes very repetitive and boring. And the more times you do stuff and the more boring it gets, the yeah. less interest you have in it. So I feel like it's a blessing and a curse starting young because yeah. you have these advantages, but a lot, especially in swimming, you see people retiring around, you know, 23, 24, when in theory, if you look at the success male athletes have had in any sport, it's quite a bit later. Yeah. So they're not even reaching their peak. 
and they've already kind of have been burnt out. So um, that's something that, you know, obviously you, you work with uh, sports psychs and you, you learn about how to cope with um, kind of day-to-day grind to, to help prolong that so it's not becoming a burden on you and you're still doing it because you're, you're enjoying it. So um, it's just, I guess you're trying to manage the... Uh, the lifestyle if you start super super young and it's kind of becoming this just repetitiveness and so personally uh, mm-hmm. you have you felt a moment like this so you said there was a low point at 12 yep. but yeah, yeah. Was, you were not worn out yeah after, for sure and you're too young to realize that you're having mental you know struggles yeah yeah uh, but since you kind of uh, grew up uh, have you already felt a lower a lowest point or lower points uh, yeah. or just exhaustion of just repetitive uh, stuff yeah absolutely i feel like Um, now this is going to sound pretty sad, but a lot of athletes will probably understand, um, you know, when you're dedicating your whole life to it and you're going through this day to day grind and you're really enjoying it. And then you go to a competition and the result isn't quite what you thought it was. Mm -hmm. It almost makes that whole training block seem so much more taxing on the body. You put all that work for not a lot of reward. Um, and I find in the past couple years, if I haven't had good results, It's almost made that whole journey to get to that point seem so much more taxing mm-hmm. than if it were to pay off. You know, if, if you were to go through 10 months of just rigorous training and you're just destroying your body every single day and then you get to the competition and you break a world record or you get a gold, you know, it's like mm-hmm. you see the results, you look back at to what you've done and you're like, yeah, that was totally worth it. But if you have a poor result and you look back at what you did and you're just like, wow, I just like killed my body for nothing. Yeah. And then you kind of get into this like slump of like, oh, is it really worth, you know? So it, it, it it's kind of sad saying it, it depends on the results, but I mean, that's it's sport, right? Definitely. Because then we say not good result or good results, how mm-hmm. do you gauge that? Because you've, you were uh, 17th at the Olympics, yep. for example, on the 200 uh, medley. Uh, you've had like great results, Pan Am mm. and all that world uh, at the world uh, World Cup events, World Championship yep. events. Um, is it personal? Is it for you? Good will be on the podium, and bad yep. is below 10 and in the middle it's kind of okay. Well, how do you gauge that? And how? Yeah, and do you also work on your mental to say, hey, maybe yeah. not 13 or whatever 17th. Mm-hmm. I'm still the 17th best swimmer mm-hmm. in that category in the world, which is <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not so well, bad, right? I think But that's um, not what you're chasing. Yeah, I think as uh, we've gotten further you know, it's 2023 now, there's been a lot more research on mental health and all that is becoming more prevalent to um, make sure you're on top of that and you're not getting to a point where you're putting yourself through all this this work and if a bad result is going to completely derail you, you know. So we, we spend a lot more time, like, making sure, we're, you know, understand that I'm in this sport because back when I started swimming, it was because I wanted to do it for fun. And it's trying to keep it that way rather than saying... I'm only swimming because I want to have that result. Yep. But being athletes and dedicating your whole life to something, everyone's going to have that mentality of, I want to be the best in the world. Mm-hmm. So it's in, in, the, in the grand scheme of things, people are, some people are better at, than others, but if you're not in the best in the world, then it's, you have that mindset of, okay, how do I get there? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's almost like if you're not the best in the world, it's not good enough. Um, but in a healthy way, I would say, yeah. you know, where it's yeah. like... Um, Obviously, I can look at a result and, and see where, um, you know, at the Olympics, I came 17th. And in my mind, that was not good enough for me. Um, but, you know, a few years out, it's like that was the best I was at that time. And it's like, you know, 
the, if, if I would have trained differently or whatever, the result probably wouldn't have been any different. I was a 20 year old kid yeah. and I just missed out on the semifinal, but I was right on my best time. So it, it's not like, um, I was going into this event being like, Oh, I'm going to win. And all of a sudden, you know, so it's like you, you learn, uh, it sometimes takes time, but as you get further away from results, you realize how impressive they actually were. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of athletes understand that as well, especially when swimmers retire, um, you know, I've heard a lot of people who they finally retire from the sport and they're like, ah, oh, whatever. Like I didn't achieve what I wanted to, but like, that's okay. And then two, three years later down the line, they're like, actually looking back, like I'm so impressive how far I've come. And you know, it's like, uh, from a sporting aspect or an athlete mindset, this is going to make so much sense, yeah. but it, I don't know if it might make sense for you. No, it does. It um, does. It's it's the same for but business. Is yeah, the same. yeah. It's, okay. Yeah. You, fair. you you want to reach X KPI mm-hmm. indicators yeah, and yeah. performance stuff, and then you don't reach, and you're like, oh damn, yeah, I'm not here. And then you look back, like, it's mm-hmm. still pretty. It's yeah, like a two X growth in a yeah, year, or exactly. it's much more than ninety five percent of the other people would do. Yeah, but it's like, um, especially in a sport like swimming, you're you're surrounded by success all the time yeah. so everything yeah. becomes normalized so i remember you know growing up and be like oh, i want to make the olympics i want to make the olympics this is going to be like this is my goal and then you make the olympics and you know you're at the olympic village and you see thousands of people and you're like oh it's really not that special that's you know because yeah. it, it is now that's the normal baseline yeah and it's like you saw the olympics as this great thing and then you get there and you realize how many people go and you're like okay now at the olympics i have to do something you know so it's, you're always um when you're in an environment where that's the norm, you, it doesn't seem as special until you're removed from that. Yeah. But that also is what helps sport progress, help people get better and better because it's, you know, we're just designed to want to be the best, you know? Yeah. yeah well, and that's, if you, if you're satisfied with a mm-hmm. 17th spot and what would get you motivated to get to the next yeah, Olympics exactly. and to you, keep working yeah. for the next 48th month, but yeah, yeah. you have to get that, uh, that competitiveness or, or grit inside you otherwise yeah, exactly. nothing will happen so it's exactly. probably also what will make the difference between an olympic champion or someone that gets on the podium and someone that will never mm-hmm, for uh, sure even after three four five whatever. absolutely um what would you consider success uh if we were to tell if you were to look four years in the future what mm-hmm. now what do you think looking back in four years from now you would say this is success i would say removing results from it yeah um getting to four years in the future and looking back and being like, did I waste my time? Was I just doing it because I thought I had to, or am I doing it because I wanted to? Mm -hmm. And that's something I've realized over the last few years, um, not letting it get to a point where it's like, well, I've swum my whole life. So this is just who I am. You know, it's, I guess the whole conversation of like people not being able to, um, disassociate themselves from their sport. They're almost, they act the way their sport treats them yeah you know and it's like um you know i want to look back in the you know four years time i want to look back at where i am today and be like was i doing everything because i wanted to and i'm having a great life because of it or was i just making myself miserable for no reason um and are you able to answer that question today i would say i'm getting a lot better at you know putting myself in positions where looking back i'm like i can't believe i did that and like i'm so proud that I was able to do everything I can and I enjoyed every moment of it. Um, but obviously a few years ago, there were times where I was just, you know, 
stuck. In, uh, COVID was probably one of those, the main reasons for it because mm-hmm. it wasn't able, the opportunity to kind of do other things and have more fun. And it just became a, a rigorous training schedule. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I'm trying to have my life now as I'm dedicated to swimming and I'm pushing myself to be the best athlete I can. But looking back and hopefully the future's time, it's I enjoyed every second of it. Yeah. And so you see, you said the sports psychologist yep. or, or people that help you. Uh, and what do you discuss, if it's not too private again, yeah, yeah. Uh, in those therapy or sessions? How do you approach this stuff? Like, oh, you must have fun. But of course, when you, mm-hmm. you, you get into the pool and you do a couple length, then you have a good time. You're like, oh, yeah, I'm yeah. enjoying. But let, again, it's like, is it really <laughs> what I'm chasing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Am I chasing? Because there's that small light here and I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm pretty sure I can get to it and it's going to take four years of my life, but is it really worth the... Yeah, the no, for sure. Now, so. I think um, well, I, start, I first started seeing uh, a sports psych because, you know, we, we train 24, 27 hours a week in mm-hmm. the pool physically and you don't train your mind. And, it, you know, a lot of times people say when it comes to racing, it's like 80% mental and only, you know, 20% physical. So it's like, I was curious, just, you know, I'm almost missing this part that's available. So I, I just wanted to learn a lot more about sports psych and what the, the premise of it was and how is it meant to help swimming. So that's, I started seeing a sports psych just out of curiosity. And, um, from there I've learned so much about, um, ways to deal with stuff and, you know, certain ways I deal with stuff, how to maximize it. You know, if, if that make, yeah. makes any sense. Yeah. Um, so, it, you know, I, obviously I'm lucky enough to be in a position where, where, um, we we're given sports sites, like they're, it's funded for us and, yeah. um, it's available to us. So, um, obviously I want to, not necessarily take advantage of it, but you know, for my sport, if there's an opportunity to be better, I would absolutely jump on that. And, uh, just learning about sports psych was, mm-hmm. uh, was quite new to me. I think I started last year. Um, but I guess in terms of like in sport and, um, and how it's helped, it's just giving yourself a better perspective of, um, the view on sport. You know, when you're, when you're a junior and as, uh, you know, still a teenager, um, I feel like you have this very single line view on sport. And as you get older, you got to learn how to like open that up mm-hmm. because it's not uh, sustainable to have the same mindset as a, as a 10 year old or as yeah. a 15 year old or yeah. as a 20 year, you know, there's no real goal when you're 10 or 15, yeah, exactly. nor, nor no, mental exhaustion, mm-hmm. nor anything. Yeah. So. You, you learn to kind of, um, embrace the challenges as they come rather than just having it as simple as winning is, good and not winning is not good yeah, yeah. you know you, you learn to to understand that stuff uh, so do you think that there's also so a few of the, the athletes i've interviewed they yep. said that they they remember one race when either they came back from an injury mm-hmm. earlier than they thought or whatever the reason might be they were they had no pressure on a specific event they were just quote-unquote free yep. to just perform and have fun and it's when they had their best time mm-hmm. or their record or whatever it is do you th- do you think there's something like that for you that might happen or, or haven't in the past already that you realize, oh, I was so free on that race that no, the pressure off my shoulders, I was able to just, you know, yeah. One so second or something. I, I love this because, um, I've, I definitely have had races where I've just gone in, there's no pressure and just free or whatever and you swim and you swim really well. And then you go to a different event and you put pressure on yourself and it, 
you end up going the same time, but you put so much uh, weight on your shoulders, and it, it really just opens your mind to like changing the way you you view um, a certain race or putting pressure on yourself, mm-hmm. whatever. If it's always going to kind of add up to just be the same time, you obviously want to take the the route of just being free and loose. Yeah. So, in, in as simple as it sounds, and like this might sound stupid, but it's just like if there are any stresses or pressure or whatever, it's you just kind of just have to be like, ah, oh, just try not to worry about it. And just like, yeah. it's, it's easier said than done, but it's like when you go to an event and you're swimming a race that you, there is no pressure and you're just quote unquote swimming free, you know, that feeling of just going up and be like, oh, whatever happens, happens. Yeah. And you and take just, a bit more risk because if it fails, then whatever. <laughs> exactly. And it's like trying to get the good parts of that and incorporating that into an event or a, a race that you are more, Uh, dedicated to or i guess technically feeling more pressure on Mm -hmm. it's just um you know seeing how you act before the race where you're feeling free and um trying to incorporate that so it's it's uh i guess finding the balance um and i guess that's what like working with sports psych helps you you do and just finding analogies that help you simplify things in your mind to help i guess clear the stress and and all Mm -hmm. that stuff so i i've I've loved working with the sports psych because like i love that view on swimming and the the mental aspect of it is is pretty awesome. No, and I like what you said. Like you, you physically train whatever thirty hours mm-hmm. say, yeah, yeah. It up uh, a week, but if you don't train your mind mm-hmm. as well, that doesn't really have any yeah any exactly talent and hard work. Pure hard work only brings you that far. There's that small you know, tenth of a second that you're looking mm-hmm. in a race that you'll gain with another uh, approach, and maybe a mental is a uh, yeah, part of it for sure. Uh, so you've, you're 22, 23? yeah, twenty two, twenty two. You haven't reached your peak. You're still progressing. On the scale of, let's say, 100, mental and physical, how high are you in both? And what do you think will make the difference to bring you on the podium of the Olympics? Are you 20% yeah. there uh, on mental and 80 on, on physical or vice versa? Or where do you stand and where do you have to put the most work in moving forward? Yeah, I think um, in terms of physical, I would obviously like to hope that I'm near a hundred, yeah. you know, if I'm just swimming professionally, I want to make sure that every single day I'm giving it all I can. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a lot easier to do that physically. because you know, when you're giving it a hundred percent, but in terms of mental, you know, I feel like, um, it's probably about 50%, you know, as a junior and as that, you, you know, you're not working too much on that, but you just kind of have that free mindset. Yep. And as you get older and it becomes kind of a profession that, kind of focus of swimming changes and obviously working with like sports psych and just being around the right people it just helps it and that's something i'm trying to do a lot next year is have that mental freeness a lot more so i feel like if there's anything i need to work on or um push for it's it's that mental aspect because i know when it comes to training the second i walk on deck it's everything i do is deliberate to help my swimming Mm -hmm. um when i'm in the gym when i'm at you know at home going to bed early nutrition like that's all dedicated towards swimming and um but there's also that mental aspect that i'm trying to incorporate now as well so so more logistically speaking so we, yep. we discussed mental we discussed um um physical aspect of the sport um what does it look like so you moved here in toronto mm-hmm. uh for because you can you train here at the yep. toronto pan-american yep. sports center <laughs> that's a long word um yeah you said you 
wake up and you go to sleep at night, yeah. everything in between is about swimming. Yeah. Uh, so what does it look like for you? What's an average year? What's an average day and what's an average year? Uh, how do you plan your you know, competitions and, yeah. and the, the stuff you want to achieve? Yeah, so usually the throughout the week, there are two different types of days. So we alternate double days and single days. So um, a typical day for a double would be um, you know, wake up an hour before practice, have some breakfast, head to the pool. Um, you do your pre-pool, which is about 30 minutes. You jump in the water for about two hours, swim around 6K, 7K. Um, <laughs> you would uh, you know, get out, kind of do recovery, um, rolling, stretching. And then I live close to the pool, so I, I, I would drive home. Uh, as soon as I got home, eat some food, recover from practice, take a nap, wake up from my nap, and then practice is back on again at uh, 3 p.m. or whatever. So wake up from my nap, drive, uh, have another snack, drive to the pool. Um, usually on those double days, we'll go in and do an hour lift. And then straight from the lift, we'll go into the water, swim for about an hour 45. Uh, usually that would be only about 5K. Um, and then, again, once practice is done, kind of roll, stretch, go home, recover from practice, so eat some dinner, you know, depending on uh, what the nutrition schedule is for that type of year uh, put in the the nutrition that you need and then get ready for bed and that would be kind of day one and then the next day is usually a single so it's pretty much the same as a double day but only half so you would wake up before practice have some dinner uh, have some breakfast get to the pool um on the single days we'll do like an hour course circuit um so uh like just on a swiss ball or with med balls you know you're doing abs and, okay. and body weight movement and Um, just stability, core stability, uh, learning to um, connect your, you know, your your torso with your legs and your core, and you know, your left arm with your right arm, and all that stuff. And then from that about hour circuit, you would jump into the water, do a probably about a six k, seven k swim, a longer one because it's mm -hmm. a, a single day. Once practice is over, um, you know, get out, do your rolling, stretching, go back to to the home, and then. You know, whatever is planned for that day, if you have errands to do, that's kind of when you do them. Um, and we usually alternate that. So it'll be like double, single, double, single. Six days out of seven or something? Yeah, we go, um, we start with a double on Monday and end on a single on Saturday. And then we have Sunday off. Okay. And that's that's the, the weekly schedule. And um, usually that doesn't change throughout the year. Uh, as you get closer to swim meets, we do a thing called taper, which is, Um, you know, you're putting yourself through a bunch of work and you're putting yourself in almost a hole um, throughout the season. And then as you get closer to a competition, you start doing less work so your body okay. can recover and you're feeling more fresh. Um, so throughout the whole year, you know, you're, you're keeping with that schedule. But as you get closer to a swim meet, two, three weeks out, you know, rather than doing nine swims, three lifts and three circuits, you know, it cuts down to three weeks out and you do, you know, eight swims, okay. two lifts and two circuits. And then okay two weeks out it's you know seven swims one lift one circuit and then a week out it's you know five swims and then you race mm -hmm. so do you have a personal coach that uh, makes that schedule for you or yeah, is it a team yeah. coach that everybody has the same type of, uh, of schedule yeah so everyone's schedule is a little different you know as a 100 200 type swimmer i'm obviously going to be doing uh more work than the 50 hundred swimmers mm -hmm. Um, but I'm going to be doing less work than the 400, 800 meter swimmers. Um, so everyone's schedule is a little bit individualized, 
but it, in swimming, it's quite easy to group people together. So, um, you know, we'll all train like the 50 and the, like the 50 sprinter guys and the, the 400, 800 swimmers. We'll do like a warm up together and, and all that. And then we'll kind of split off. And then as it goes into taper, you know, the sprinters will cut down more. So, yeah. uh, they'll do less training and less work. And then the, the distance guys, they won't cut down as much because see their training, uh, their, their race is a lot longer. Yeah. Um, so it's it's very individualized, but in a group way. Mm-hmm. Um, do you allow yourself sometimes, let's say once, twice in the year, to just not go to a training, let us, let alone um, that you're sick yeah. or anything? But is, is, is there a day when you wake up and just your mind isn't here, your body isn't here, and just accept not to follow the schedule mm-hmm. just to keep your you know, motivation up yeah. and kind of allow that, you know, getting slightly outside of the road and then back, uh, back the next day. Is that, is that something that you allow yourself as an elite athlete? Yeah. So I think the stigma behind swimming has always been, you spend one day out of the water. It takes two days to get back to where you were. <laughs> so from the very early age of when people start swimming, it's all, we've always been told, if you miss swimming, like if you miss a session, it's going to take two to get back. So if you so miss one, tolls. Yeah, you know, so it's like if you're missing swimming, it better be for a good reason sort yeah. of thing. Um, and that's just been the stigma. Every, if you talk to any swimmer, they're going to say the exact same thing. Um, obviously with COVID, when we were out f- of the water for so long, people kind of realized that, Oh, that's just not true. Um, you can take time out of the water and it's not going to ruin the whole week. Um, but the, the one thing with swimming is, um, if you talk to like a lot of swimmers, they'll talk about the feel swimming is a, a feel stroke. It's, it's a weird thing to describe unless you're a swimmer. It's, um, when you're in the water and you're feeling good, um, you just feel like you're grabbing so much water and you just feel smooth and one with the water. And when you spend time away from the pool, you almost lose that feel. Okay. Um, and that's kind of what the coaches are hinting at. Like you spend a time out away from the water, you're going to lose that feel. And it's, okay. Yeah. You, you know, you just, um, it, it's, it's such a hard thing to describe. Um, unless you've been swimming for 10, 15 years. Uh, so in terms of, uh, taking time out, usually for me, I don't, um, you know, I, I'm also trying to view it as I swim because I have fun and that's what I'm passionate about. So regardless if, um, I'm feeling healthy or not, um, just coming to the pool is, is my outlet to just enjoy myself. Mm-hmm. But there have been days where, you know, you wake up and you're just like, I don't want to do this. Um, but you know, when you do kind of get to those points, you look at what you're kind of trying to achieve and that gets you motivated to, to kind of stick with and you're like, look, mm-hmm. This is just part of the process. Yeah. Um, in terms of if you are sick, I've definitely been one of those swimmers where when I'm sick, I'm just like, oh, I'm just, you know, making excuses. I, I just got to go and just n- not think about it. But as I've gotten older, I've learned that, like, you know, if you are sick and, you know, you, you spend two or three days just swimming through the sessions while you're sick, it's actually going to put you in a worse spot than if you were to take mm-hmm. a session out let your body recover, come back and slowly build up. So that's just something as you get older, you kind of learn. And obviously as you're older, the coaches, they respect you more and they, um, they know that you they, know about, yeah, better you about know, yourself. you're not a, a, a teenager who looks like he's just trying to get out of a session cause he yeah. doesn't want to do it. 
they're actually viewing you as a professional athlete who's like, okay, he's making a call. You know, like I said, um, well, it's, it's your job. So if you're, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, it's exactly. Your full-time job, and, so you know what you're no, running after. Yeah. And, and for me, it's, you know, everything I do at the pool is deliberate to help my swimming. Yeah. So I'm not going to miss a swimming session because I think I want it off. I'm missing a swimming session because I think it's going to help me recover so I can get back to train, you know, so it's, everything's deliberate now. And, um, obviously as you get older, the, the coaches understand that, and, you know, you're just being more professional. And, um, so as you, as you get older, it does become this, this part where people have missed sessions. because they're just like, look, I just need a day off. And when you're older, everyone understands that. So it, it becomes a little bit easier. Um, but me personally, I, I find that the structure of our training sessions and, Um, our structure of the week and throughout the months where we have breaks, it's um, you're kind of able to wait for a Christmas break or a summertime break. And just those sessions where you're just, I don't want to do it. It's you, you look forward to those, the goals and what's to come. And you Mm -hmm. just realize that, you know, this is just part of the process and you just got to get through it. Mm -hmm. So just before we started recording, Mm -hmm. you told me that you're in a summer break of about two weeks. So basically you lost, you'll take four weeks to go back if, if i'm just yeah, doing yeah. the math good two weeks off is four weeks to go back yeah yeah in theory, in theory. Uh, but yeah so you 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 came back from um from japan yeah so <coughs> sorry That's talking good. more a bit um, about like technicalities yeah because we didn't uh, put things into context yeah. you you specialize in the medley so basically yeah. you specialize in not specializing in a yeah, sense. yeah 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 uh, so you, you practice the whole, the four um disciplines of, of swimming so yeah. can you very quickly explain what medley is for people who don't know and yep. how you got into uh, into medley was it because you were polyvalent or mm-hmm. just because someone told you or because you loved it yeah so uh individual medley uh there's the individual medley which is obviously just your swimming and it's all four strokes you start off with butterfly you move to backstroke go to breaststroke and then with freestyle and then there's the medley relay which is a different order um you have one guy swimming backstroke then one guy swimming breaststroke one guy swimming butterfly and then one guy swimming freestyle mm-hmm. um so as an individual medley swimmer i'm putting it all together and swimming all four strokes um i got into it mainly because the the program that i was swimming with uh, was very focused on um swimming every stroke you know you're you're a kid you shouldn't really be specializing in a certain event till you get older and you're more mature Mm -hmm. so you know our coaches make us do every stroke and um as you develop you kind of find which stroke works for Mm -hmm. you um but because we swim every stroke and we go to swim meets you know there's 15 events that you can pick from so a lot of times you'll pick a medley because it is fun it's one of those ones where in in the easiest way to describe it if you have a tuner freestyle you can almost have to pace it. You know, it's like first 50 is going to be smooth. Second 50, you push a little harder and mm-hmm. you're, you know, it's one stroke. But when it comes to a medley, it's just like each stroke, you just kind of have to go for it. So it, it becomes this less pressure, more fun uh, kind of event. And um, I started having a lot of success with that. And I really enjoyed it as being one of these like super active, like I like change and medley just kind of came to me. And, um, you know, individual medley was the one event that i had the most success at um in the country and internationally and it just has become this thing for me mm-hmm. um and yeah like you're saying it's a um you know i'm quite good at the individual medley but i'm pretty average at everything you know it, it, the medley swimmers are kind of known for that we're like we're really good at all four of them <laughs> so but we separate them out and we're just like we're kind of average <laughs> i want to ask you do you go into individual medley because you're 
very good at each or because you're not good enough at one specifically <laughs> and you said, you know what, the average um, in four will be... But that's probably what it is. You have to be in the 80% of each, but you're not yeah, in yeah. the 98% of, of one. Yeah, so I think uh, in theory it's, um, oh, we're not good at all four. So when we put it together, we're, we're good at it. But it really ends up being... Um, We're just the most versatile. Yeah. Um, without in like telling you sell yourself, right? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> well, you know, it's like if if you look at the best medley swimmers in the world, they're one of the best swimmers in the world at a different event. So someone like Michael Phelps, he was a medley swimmer, but mm -hmm. he was the best in the world in freestyle and butterfly, and that's why he was good in medley because you get these great athletes who are good at these individual strokes, and you're putting it together. Mm -hmm. So rather than it being your average at all these strokes and you're putting it together, it's who's the best at all four in the world. Yeah. Put that together, and then you have, you know, like the, the fastest guy right now, Leon Marchand. Yeah, He's French. from France. Um, he almost he was close to the world record in the 200-meter breaststroke, close to the second or third fastest time in history in the 200-meter breaststroke but he, he's a medley swimmer. So it's not like he's average at all four yeah, strokes. Yeah, yeah. He puts together. He's, he's at world-class at not only the hundred, uh, the tuner butterfly. He won that at world champs this year, yeah. but the tuner breaststroke, he has a world-class back hundred, uh, tuner backstroke, world-class tuner freestyle. You put that together and you have a world-class medley swimmer. Yeah. So it's not necessarily a, you're, if you're average at all four, no. you're going to be successful at a, at medley. But, uh, we all joke about that because Obviously, when it comes to an individual stroke, if, if I'm going to do a 100 freestyle next to a 100 freestyle specialist, you would hope that they would beat me, you know, because yeah. they dedicate their yeah. life to it. But, uh, you know, we're, you know, being on the 4x1 free, you know, I give them a run for their money sometimes. So, <laughs> so it, you, it's you're good on the 4x100? Yeah, so um, at the World Champs. So my next question yeah, yeah, was, what's, uh, what's your, uh, what stroke are you, are you best at? And then, keep, keep going, sorry. Yeah, so it's, uh, it's changed a lot. I would say right now, Obviously, I'm a medley swimmer, but I would say that my butterfly um, is one of my stronger strokes. Um, I feel like individually, I have quite a good backstroke, good breaststroke, good freestyle. Um, and I, I mean, that's the, the whole point of being a medley swimmer is being able to be successful at all four. Um, and when you are kind of a medley swimmer, you kind of get just drawn to the stroke that you enjoy the most. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're average at all four of them, but you enjoy one more, you're obviously going to want to swim it more in practice and do it more at swim meets. So, um, you know, when I was younger, when I was kind of 10, 11, I was a butterfly medley swimmer. And then when I was maybe 15, 16, I was a breaststroke medley swimmer. So I was enjoying breaststroke a lot. And then there was one point where I was a backstroke medley swimmer. And now it's kind of like a butterfly freestyle medley swimmer. So it's like, it kind of changes. That's the beauty of being a medley swimmer is when you do kind of get bored of one stroke you can kind of specialize in another one, okay. but specializing in another one is also going to help the medley. It, it, you know, being a medley swimmer is like a blessing and a curse in this, you know, in the same thing. because um, you do get that change, but you also don't have the consistency of doing one stroke. Yep. You have to training sessions get really difficult because, you know, you have four strokes, but you have to train all four. You can't neglect one and, um, you know, tune your medley is or 400 medley or any medley uh, event in general is, you have to have all four strokes hitting at once to have a good race. Yeah. And that is so difficult. And the reason why, um, you know, medley swimmers are some of the best individual swimmers in the world because they're able to tap into each stroke and put it into one. So it, it's, it's a really difficult um, thing to do. But obviously, 
as a medley swimmer, that's my view on it. And if I was a tuner freestyler, I would see tuner yeah. freestyle is probably the most difficult. You know, it's just um, the perspective you have of what event you're swimming. So, mm-hmm. so you were about to say something about the world champs, I think. I yeah, yeah. So, well, um, we right now we have three world class hundred freestylers, and a relay is consists of four. Yeah. Um, and I've always been that fourth guy who's just been able to squeak on, and you know, I would say like. You could say I'm an average hundred freestyler in, in Canada. I'm, you know, fourth fastest in Canada, um, and I don't, you know, I don't train for the hundred freestyle. But there's a really opportunity, and there is that one spot available, and so I work hard to put myself on that that relay. And um, at the World Champs, just in in Tokyo or in uh, Fukuoka, uh, that was my highest placing, fifth in the world on the four by one hundred freestyle relay. So my highest placing and the most success I've had at a world championships to date hasn't come from medley. It's come from a <laughs> hundred freestyle part of a relay. So I think that's pretty funny. And, and going back to the whole team thing, you know, I, I work so hard to be a medley swimmer, but I'm lucky enough where, because I'm working on all four, I have the opportunity to be part of these relays and help Canada have success in these relays as well. And so when you're part of the relay um, mm-hmm. medley, What uh, stroke do you uh, so select? Usually for the, the medley relay, I always end up being the reserve for every stroke because, yeah. um, like I said, obviously, because I, I, I work hard on, on every stroke, so I'm reliable in every stroke, but there's always someone who's, you know, a, a hundred butterfly yeah. specialist or a hundred oh, okay. breaststroke specialist, hundred backstroke, hundred freestyle specialist, but obviously anything can happen to them. And, um, a lot of times if we don't have enough swimmer, you know, if we don't have um, two breaststrokers or two backstrokers, I'm kind of that reserve. Okay. Um, but in terms of the four by 100 freestyle relay, um, you know, I earned my spot on that. And, you know, I would swim freestyle because uh, it's four by 100 freestyle. Everyone swims freestyle on that mm-hmm. one, um, which is pretty awesome. Okay. Um, on the individual side, mm-hmm. um, how did the world champs go? And what is missing for... You know, that next result to be uh, even better yeah i think um again from an athlete's kind of mindset of it i was 13th this year um so 12 people in the world beat me which when you say it like that you're like oh that's really impressive but you know for me it's 12 people beat me i got to figure out a way to beat 12 people yeah. and um you know obviously it's the the highest placing i've ever had at the world championships um But unfortunately, I wasn't close to my best time that I had done that season. And um, the race didn't necessarily go the way I wanted to. I made some small little errors. And um, overall, it just wasn't the race that I thought it was going to be. And mm-hmm. from that, it's, it's, it was frustrating. And I guess you could say it's a motivation to fix those things. And, um, use, you know, it's like last year I was 17th in the world. This year I'm 13th in the world. I posted on my Instagram. I was yeah, like, I you know, we, I'm slowly chipping away. And, um, you know, that, that's the beauty of sport. It's you got to find a way to keep going and keep progressing. Take the little wins. Yeah, and exactly. And them lots of <laughs> a big yeah, win yeah. in the end. Um, so next up is uh, the Pan Am Games, you said, in, in Chile? Uh, y- is it the Pan Am? Yeah, it's the Pan Am Games in Chile. Okay. Uh, that's in October. Um, yeah. And you necessarily have Paris next year mm-hmm. in mind um how do you get there yeah so for swimming uh to qualify for the olympics there's a 
Olympic trials. And usually that, that takes place about a month before the Olympics. Only so you don't actually know if you're going to the Olympics till about a month out. Damn, okay. There's so, no like uh, a time that you have to beat and that qualifies you automatically to the, you know, for, yeah. you can have like a random meet in October that would qualify. There, there are other sports where if you go below that threshold mm-hmm. at whatever marathon, then yeah. you're automatically qualified. For you, it's not the case. It's Yeah. So before. there is the Olympic qualifying cut, okay. which is Very a certain cool. time that okay. you have to go to be selected onto a team. Okay. Um, now, every country is different. But for swimming in Canada, you have to be under that cut at that certain swim meet a month before the Olympics. So (laughs) That's no pressure. No pressure. (laughs) And so there's a few countries that do that. Usually the bigger countries, Australia, UK, uh, uh, New Zealand, um, the United States and Canada, we're usually the ones that have these major competitions, like our Olympic trials a month before the games where you – Everyone in the country shows up. There's a swim meet. Whoever gets under that cut, the fastest at that time goes. But then the smaller countries, because it is an Olympic cut, you know, there's the the Olympic year threshold where, you know, a year and a half before the Olympics, the standard becomes available. And if you hit a standard at a FINA regulated meet, you are now eligible to make the Olympics. So I have some friends who, uh, you know, from switzerland and from all around the world who are part of these smaller swimming countries who have already qualified for the olympics because that's that's the rules but in terms of canada we have it set so we have one swim meet where that's where you can qualify okay and when is it and where yeah so it's in montreal this year it's um right away (laughs) it's in may i like uh, i should probably know um either beginning middle or end of may it's, I know it's it's about a month away from the Olympics. Okay. Uh, so a bit before, no? Because the Olympics are August, so it might be more like June, July, you know? If it's a uh, month before. <laughs> so I think swimming... Oh, th- so it must be end of May. Okay. Um, so end of May, trials. and then we leave, or we leave for the Olympics end of June. So it's about a month before we leave oh, for the Olympics. Okay. Okay, yeah, because so we still have like the two-week training camp and all that. Um yeah, so th- that that's the way we do it in Canada is you have one one chance, one opportunity on one day where you have to be the best in the country and be under that standard to put yourself at the Olympics. It's crazy. It is. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. insane. Uh, but at least, yeah, at least you know you have that one date and you can line, st- yeah. line things up mm-hmm. to be at your peak at that For moment. For sure. Um, so a bit of non-sport related stuff. Yep. Um, did you keep studying when you were focusing on on, uh, on swimming? And well, you're only 22, so you still have many mm-hmm. years to go. But do you sometimes think, at some point during the, the discussion, you mentioned that sometimes you, you only become the the athlete you are mm-hmm. and that the athlete that your sport wants you to become. Mm-hmm. Do you still keep the perspective of who you are as a person and what you want to do when there is no more swimming or no more competitive? Yeah, energy? absolutely. I mean, I think that's uh, the biggest thing is setting yourself up while you're swimming and to be in a position where when you are done swimming, you still, you know, it's not like swimming's done and your life is done. Yeah. It's you're swimming and you're setting yourself up. So when swimming does come to an end, it's just something that you did. And mm-hmm. now it's, you know, so um, currently right now I'm, I'm not in school. I graduated from high school in 2019 and then moved to Toronto to train for the Olympics. And took a gap year from school 
to train for the Olympics and then COVID happened and then took another gap year for that Olympic year. And then after that, I had, I needed surgery and this recovery and um, decided to put off school again. And then coming into this year, it's the year before the Olympics. And so the way it's kind of, it, it, it seems like I've just been putting off school, but it's ended up just being one of these things where it's, it's really hard where at least I am right now to do swimming and school. It, it's, mm-hmm. it's easier some other places. Um, but the one thing that a lot of people tell me is like, um, you know, you're only going to be physically strong to be swimming for so long, yeah. but you're, you know, knock on wood, you're, you're mentally going to be able to study whenever. So it's, if you have the opportunity to fund yourself and, um, just do swimming professionally it, do that try to take advantage of that so you can give it everything you have mm-hmm. so that when you are done swimming you can look back at your career and be like did i do everything i possibly can mm-hmm. and um that that's the path i'm going down obviously while i have all this free time away from the pool and i'm not studying or anything like that i'm trying to start a career or like a business for myself so that when swimming does end for me in a certain way i can still be um attached with swimming and utilizing that to help myself yeah. uh, financially mm-hmm. in the future. And you mentioned so funding or financial yep. kind of security. How do you live off the sport today? Do you have like sponsors and funding from the government? Yeah, so so we're pretty lucky. We're, uh, we get funding from the government um, and then we also get prize money. Yeah. So a lot of my income comes from going to swim meets, performing, you know, coming top three, top two, whatever, and getting paid from that swim meet um as you get kind of close to the olympics there's kind of less and less of those meets uh just because people don't want to be going to swim meets and they're focusing on the olympics but uh there was a international swim league where that was the whole purpose of it was swimmers are able to go and make money and um fund themselves that way Uh, we get a decent amount from the government that can kind of help sustain you and you know obviously we have provincial funding and uh you do have like sponsorships and and stuff like that to to help sustain yourself but not only sustain just living but being able to put money away so that when you do end your career Mm -hmm. you you have finances to to live pretty Mm -hmm. much okay interesting um i I just always find that amazing um athlete that go to the olympics Mm -hmm. like you say when you get there, you realize that there are thousands of mm-hmm. them, but yes, yeah. thousands out of seven billion. So yeah, yeah. still yeah, <laughs> a yeah, micro yeah, portion yeah. of For sure. of people on the on the planet. Um, but yeah, p- those people represent the country mm-hmm. uh, they live in. You represent Canada and Canada or Toronto. Everybody is happy to see you on TV. Mm-hmm. But I've seen or talked to a lot of people that struggle financially, yeah. and they have even sometimes to pay the federation to be part of the yeah, yeah. of the team and all that. So it, it always blows my mind, like mm-hmm. the fact that people put their life into a sport. Mm-hmm to represent a country, but they, they still have to, you know, struggle to make it. No, absolutely. I mean, um, you know, I'm, I'm obviously in a position where I'm making enough money to just swim, yeah. but I also know people who are in swimming who aren't at that position. Yeah. And all of a sudden that becomes kind it's of the reason why those swimmers retire so early. And, um, you know, we're, we're super lucky where swimming is, now becoming a sport where there's more and more funding each year. Um, but I also have so many friends who are in a federation where there is no funding 
and you know I know a few people that had to pay their way to go to the Olympics and you know do GoFundMe's and so so I'm super super grateful to be you know representing Canada and being in a country where we're being funded um, and they're supporting us and they're uh, passionate about us succeeding Um, so super lucky with that because I I have friends who you know the only people that can really swim are the ones who are you know either have um, you know lots of money or they're they're um able to find funds from other people and um you know it's their situation is so much harder than what we're in and i'm super grateful um and then on the flip side you know you see other countries who have even more money and (laughs) they're they're living luxury you know so it's like there's always levels to it you know and it's like um, the the expression grass is always uh greener yeah yeah exactly (laughs) so um you know i just the way I look at it is like, you know, there, there may be people who are financially getting more for the, the same stuff I do, but there are people who are better than me and not getting as much as yeah. me. So I, for where I'm at, I'm super grateful to, to be in that position. And, um, I'm going to try to keep doing this as long as I possibly can till either I financially can't do it or, um, or even if I financially can't do it, I'm going to find a way, yeah. you know, cause I'm passionate about swimming and, um, I want to end my career when either I am not happy with it and I'm just like, I'm done mentally or if I my f- physically give out or I just get to a point where I'm like, I'm content with what I've done. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's the goal. Nice. Yeah. Very cool. Um, if I were to be a writer, I'm not mm-hmm. a writer. And if I were to write a book about you yeah. and I asked, what's the title of your, of your biography? What would you choose? Oh my goodness. Um, That's a great question because, <laughs> like, I know like Michael Phelps has a book and it's called like No Limits and and stuff like that. Um, oh, this that would be so difficult. So I'll like, give I, you a week. <laughs> and I'll text you. Yeah, <laughs> I, well, I'm super indecisive too, so uh, it, it would have to be something basic where it's just like um, similar to that like No Limits thing. It's, it's like, like why not? Wh- yeah, why or. <laughs> happiness or so, you know something where it's just like the, the purpose of or like chasing your dream or something like you know it's the journey the roller coaster of life <laughs> something like that you know it, it brings a bit of uh, thinking yeah absolutely <laughs> i love those questions though um if you have if you had this one is a slightly yep. easier if you had one person uh, in mind a canadian athlete mm-hmm. whether it be a swimmer or not that you think will have an interesting story to tell here uh, in front of me on the podcast who would that person be I would say an interesting person from swimming, I would say probably like a Brent Hayden. Um, Brent Hayden. He's a four-time Olympian, uh, Olympic bronze medalist, retired from swimming, seven years later came back and swam at at Tokyo at 37. Um, So I feel like he would be super interesting to talk to just because he's been around swimming for so long. And, you know, he can also be able to talk about, um, he was in the era of swimming where they had the super suits. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, and that transition. Yeah. Yeah. And the transition away from that, uh, I was not old enough to be in that. And I always find that fascinating. I love talking to people about that. Um, but then outside of swimming, probably like, uh, Mark McMorris or, you know, like, a or Craig McMorris, uh, just just cause you know, they're, they're, um, I watch a lot of 
surfing and snowboarding and, you know, just watching the Winter Olympics, seeing them, um, you know, slope style and big air. And, you know, I snowboard every winter and just seeing like, you know, I dedicate my whole life to swimming and I know how far I've gone in swimming and having fun snowboarding and seeing people who do what I do yeah. with swimming with their sport and see how they've progressed. And, you know, like obviously everyone knows who Mark McMorris is because you know, he's a, a, a snowboard legend in, in, in Canada. And, um, I, th- I think that would be pretty cool as well. Nice. I'll try. I'll try. And if you, yeah, yeah, yeah. if I, if I manage to have him, <laughs> that, would be, you know. that would be awesome. <laughs> um, the last question that I usually ask, it's actually in front of me already, but I'll still ask it. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I, we're in Toronto here. So I, I came from Montreal. So I yeah. emailed you before and I asked, do you have any, uh, Uh, gear from your your career that you would hand over for the uh, museum of sports so you mm-hmm. brought me a hat from the olympics yep uh, two two weeks uh, two years ago yep. uh, does it have a, a specific story that i should write in the small notes once it's in the museum yeah so um it's just a it's a swim cap so this is what we wear in training and racing um and this was the this was team canada's um cap for the for the the olympics so On one side is the Canadian Olympic logo, and the other side is, it just says Canada. Um, so if you see any pictures from the Olympics or from training leading up to the Olympics, this is what every Team Canada athlete was wearing. Obviously, it's got my last name on there, so these were my specific caps. But nice. um, any picture from the Tokyo Olympics, every single athlete is wearing the same kit, and this was our kit for... Um, the tokyo olympics good addition thank you so much yeah so of course one extremely technical question so yeah, i have long it. hair yep you have i would say half length yeah, yeah whatever how do you fit that because i swim like once every second week or something like that i never found just because i'm doing my man bun here yeah i have no idea how to fit that on my face yeah my so head. not this one but any other one it, like, it's be speedo or any other i brand. love seeing people try to put on a cap it's insane um who've never done it But someone who puts on a cap every single day, it's super easy. And uh, Show me now. Yeah, yeah, okay. So drop the mic and show me because I would assume your hair is almost as so long as mine. A lot of times people just like, they look at it and they just try to pull it on. But it's like, obviously you got to have the hair back. And you pretty much, the way, obviously everyone has their own different... Um, <laughs> I'll yeah. hold the mic for oh, okay. you. <laughs> uh, everyone has their own different techniques, but I grab it by the back. And I get the front to stick to my forehead. Okay. So just like this. And then I pull it back. Okay. And it fits on. It and changes then, your face completely. Know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then once it's on, a lot of the girls will do this because their hair will be out. Or if they have a bun, they'll pull it over their bun. A lot of times. Um, so that's what I should do. Put it on my forehead, forehead first. And, and then try to pull it around. And around my bun. You get someone to help and you just hold it on your forehead and someone will pull it around. Okay. Them. So it's not um, an easy and then, like, thing. I don't have a lot of hair, but a lot of times you'll just like push the hair back oh, my God. and you know i'll i'll uh, i got a pretty small head so i'll like tuck i'll fold the cap up to shorten it a little bit obviously it looks weird because i have no goggles on but it, it's literally that's fine okay you know, i it's think literally it, as simple as just like yeah pulling an, it over uh damn yeah i think my hair is so long you saw it, it it's, it's like shoulder length almost but yeah, yeah so, so i'll you, do my man bun and i'll just you, you keep the, the the bun on and then you just pull it Over the cap or yeah, over, the, over bun. the bun, yeah. Okay. Um, and if you can't do that yourself, you just get someone to you, you know put your head down, and then someone will grab the back of it and pull it over for okay. you. We, so, yeah. So like we'll do that with all the girls as well. So that was a great conversation we had for like an hour and and ten minutes. Perfect. This last part is definitely the yeah. one that I learned the most out of. That's amazing. 
Yeah. Um, last one. Where should people uh, people follow you? Are you active on social media and stuff? Yeah. So I I'm on Instagram at Finley Knox. Um, I have a website. How I found you. Yeah. Or yeah. Exactly. You. <laughs> um, I have a website, FinleyKnox.com, um, and yeah, those are really the two only places that I'm I'm active. Um, I'm trying to be more active on social media. I think um, as each year goes by, social media is more influential yeah. to, to the world. So uh, trying to be more active on there. And then obviously my website's just more about like the one-stop place to know who I am, my story, my achievements, interviews, and part like I'll add this podcast to um, the website and, and a way to contact me and all that stuff. So uh, those are the two main sources that I use. Wonderful. Awesome. So thank you so much for your time. Thank uh, you. I can't wait to see you more uh, yeah. on TV, which is the part that we don't necessarily discuss here, the, mm -hmm. the results and stuff. But yeah, thank you so much. Wish you only the best. No, thank you so much. Any uh, last comment or, or anything we can wish you for the next month? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, just like in, in any sport, it's um, everyone dedicates their life to it. And um, literally any bit of support helps. Um, I love, you know, I'll get messages on Instagram, just you're doing amazing, you know, stuff like that. And just any bit of support is, is incredible, not only for me, but for any athlete, um, you know, not only in swimming, but every sport that's at a high level or even at a intermediate level, they're dedicating their life to it yeah. and they're passionate about it. And anyone that shows any interest in it is, more than what you would ever ask for so um yeah so we'll, we'll cheer for you uh yeah. send you more messages thank more you. Message that would be Instagram. incredible <laughs> that would be incredible awesome. thank you so much finley no thank you bye bye if you're still here it's probably because you liked the episode right so if you want the podcast to grow and get more exceptional athletes you can play your part by following us on your favorite podcast platform and on Instagram at unfiltered.athletes. It really helps us. And until next time, enjoy life.